Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia here with you again here on the show. <laughs> we got a lot to get to here. We're going to talk a lot of baseball here in just a second. But first and foremost, I'm going back to yesterday. Before we get to some crazy news with baseball, we got to get to the good news here with Sports Grid. Congratulations to Sports Grid and FanDuel for the new partnership that we have. And certainly uh, well-deserved, I think, on both parts. FanDuel, the uh, gambling leader, and SportsGrid, the gambling content leader, merging together to become one. And we're going to have all kinds of FanDuel content to give to you guys. It'll be a fun football season with all kinds of sports betting analysis. We're going to have FanDuel programming here on SportsGrid as well. And I'm just so excited to have them aboard. And so I wanted to start off the show with that. Big congratulations to all the people involved. Yeah, it's a huge bit of news there. And congratulations to uh, all the companies here making this uh this giant uh, move together. Uh, certainly, when you're looking at the sports wagering landscape, you look at FanDuel and you look at the content end of that. We are the place. It's us. We are the ones doing the TV side, the radio side. If you don't know the radio side, go check it out because that's something that's come up recently. We've got some great radio content as well here over on Sports Grid Radio. You can follow it on Twitter to catch up with all of those and subscribe as well. And you know what? It just seems like uh, a perfect marriage. It feels like these two companies should be together. And uh, it certainly seems like there's going to be some great opportunities for us here on the content side to be continuously running with FanDuel here as we get into 2020 sports, which seems like we are inching closer and closer. And that's what it feels like. It is slowly inch by inch, step by step. It's like we're crawling in the desert towards sports. I get it. It's been a long time, but I think we will get there. So just hang with us here on Sports Grid, and we're going to take you through everything you need to know, whether it be the wagering, the DFS, season long, whatever it is, we've got you covered. And that's the nice thing about this. And that's what's so great about this partnership too. From the content side, we've done so much FanDuel content here on the program. It's kept us alive here. Some of these futures bets and some things like that, that you can get involved in. We've done so much NFL already. And uh, obviously MLB is something that we'll be able to do a lot of as well, hopefully in the future. So lots of positive strides forward. And I think a big day in the, uh, in the world of sports grid and for FanDuel as well. Yeah, I mean, it started uh, many years ago, of course. We have Hurry Up, and we have the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey, hoping to get back there soon. But you can count on all of our content here exclusively from FanDuel moving forward, and we're excited about that. And by the way, if you've watched any of our previous shows, we've been doing that anyway. So we're excited to just have even more of that here on Fantasy Sports today. We're also excited about a baseball season, which looks like it's going to be happening. And uh, word is, is that baseball and Its players have agreed, and July the 1st is a reporting date with an opening day potentially later on in the month of July, and they'll work with these uh, health issues to get it all sorted out. But, Joe, I'm happy that that's not going to be a stopping block, and I'm happy that we can just really start diving into some more baseball over the coming weeks. I know. It almost doesn't feel real. We've got to just kind of pinch ourselves once in a while. I feel like we've been uh, almost in an abusive relationship where we, we just keep waiting and we think it's going to happen, think it's going to happen. And now that we're here, it almost feels like we, we don't want to really believe it. And it's uh, it's kind of a weird place to be, I have to say. And And the closer we get to a season here, the more I have to tell you, I am not feeling a lot of season-long baseball, especially in my head-to-head points leagues, which is my bread and butter, which is – now maybe this will change as I start here in the crack of the bat, but I'm starting to look at it and the time frame in which it's starting, and I'm such a big football person now at this point in my career. It's really difficult. Like it's it's difficult to just be starting up and ramping up baseball when football draft season is at its peak, and that is just something personally for me that I'm going to really have to figure out here. I will, however – and I'm talking about this on Diamond Bets with Matt Stryker this weekend on Sunday show, which is our baseball show here on SportsGrid. I am going to be very much into the DFS side because I think not having players in long-term commitments on your team is the way to go. And if you can invest them in FanDuel for one day, it's a lot better investing in a league 
where you don't know what's going to happen. Any minute a player can test positive or something, and it changes the landscape quite a bit of your season-long investments. And I think that's asking a lot. I think you might be better off taking some of those season-long investments and moving into the daily world personally. Do you kind of see the landscape the same, or are you somebody that's like, nope, season-long, season-long, I'm going to stick with it? Like, where's your head at with all that? Yeah, I, I think that I, I have a similar feeling than you do right now, but I know, right now I do, but I know mm -hmm. that come July 1st, and I know that in the next month I'll feel differently. I, I think that mm -hmm. I'll get you know juiced up for it again. And uh, the guys that play in my home league, I'm sure, are going to want to play some sort of league. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe maybe that will change. And and look, I you know consider myself a member of the community, a member of the industry. But in the end, I cover baseball too, so it's a, it's going to be a different feeling for me because I'm going to want to be involved in in something of that nature. Now, the one thing that I will tell you that probably will change significantly for me as opposed to years past is that I never bet on individual baseball games. Um, mm -hmm. It's just not something with, with me covering uh, a major league team that I've, I've felt comfortable with. So I don't do that. I have bet futures. I've been very transparent here and on other places with that at the beginning of the season, I'll make a futures bet uh, for the end of the season and anything can happen over the course of the season. So it's not like I have anything else that anybody else does. I'm guessing essentially, but I'm a good guesser with those futures. And I, I don't think that I'm going to get involved in that this year. I did get my refund on my uh, Zach Gallen bet. I did bet Zach Gallen over on his wins. I believe it was eight and a half was the yep. number I got. I just got that refund, I think last week, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was like, I feel like I won because I got my money back. I was like, wow. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, I bet that much, man. Like, thanks. Great. <laughs> and uh, and and now I'm waiting for my refund on the Giants bet, um, betting them under their win total of 71 and a half this season. And I and I don't think I'm gonna do it. I, I think I'm, I think it's it's fiscally irresponsible of me to be guessing with large sums of money. That's not to say that I won't have an opinion. And look, before the season starts, is it possible I'll take a hundred bucks or two hundred or maybe even a grand? Like I I'm, I may I reserve the right to change my mind on that. But I, I think there's just too much uh, variation involved in it. They're talking about putting a runner on second base in extra innings. We're talking about a universal DH. We're talking about having reserve lists involved. And some of the reports have come out saying 30 guys at the start of the season, then down to 28, then down to 26, a trade deadline in late August. I mean, the, I mean, the trade deadline's a huge part of my yeah. bet each year. When, when, I, when I look at a baseball team, the first thing that I look at is, are they buyers or sellers at the deadline? I got to get mm -hmm. that right. I can't be wrong on that. And if there's a team that could, could have potentially been a seller and then now they're a holder, it changes everything. And the last couple of years, I've had that with Toronto and I've had that with uh, Texas. Those teams have just punted at the deadline. I mean, is there a punt this year? Maybe not. I mean, are other teams going to want players from other teams? Like I've, I've talked on this show about, I think you could give Nolan Arenado away for free. I think some team would take him right now and his contract if they just had to do it. And the Rockies called the team and said, hey, look, we got Arenado. Just take him. You know, like, just, you know, we, we got nothing. Is that the we kind of just, conversations just, that go on behind the scenes? Hey, I got this player. Can you just uh, you No, ask for the world and then realize that they're getting nothing. But but and by the way, Arenado's a star. Like, it's just a shame. But that's the financial landscape that we're in. And I'm not going to take my hard-earned money that I earn here at Sports Grid and put it on something that I don't know. I like certainty. So there is no certainty in sports. And, <laughs> I, have, and, I, have, and I have to make my so. best guess. I have to make my best guess. And my best guess is, is that it's going to be a wacky 60 game or whatever it is, uh, you know, finale to something that never started. And, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind and I may change my mind on that. But for now, that's where I'm at. And in terms of fantasy, I, I am a little apathetic at this point. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of like, oh, like all this crap that went on. I'm not sure if I want to dive back into it. But I also know myself and I'm going to be one of the very few. And I found this out yesterday, too. I'm going to be one of the very few people that's going to be allowed to cover the Marlins. I'm going to be there. Uh, I'll be allowed to be there. So I, I know myself and I know that when it comes time, I'm going to want to jump into something. And I'm guessing it'll be... Um, you know, some sort of redrafted fantasy league, because if they want me to play out my labor team, fine. I'm not even going to click it. Like I'm just like, if they want to kick me out next year, then kick me out. Like it's a joke. Like, I mean, I don't know who's on my team. I don't remember. I know I have AJ puck. Yeah. I see. That's the irony. It's like, I loved my labor draft this year. 
Tau draft I liked a lot as well, but I loved my labor. I thought my labor draft was really strong, and I thought, man, I, I think I, you know, I was as bad as it could be last year. I was, you know, that if you're not first, you're last. Well, I was last in labor last year. It was my first year invited, and I was pathetic and terrible, and uh, I needed a better showing this year. I took some chances last year, and they did not pan out. This year, I really loved the team. I was right in the middle. I started with Garrett Cole. And maybe we'll have to, you know, we kept talking about having to refresh our rosters and kind of look at them. Maybe that's something we need to start doing here. And we need to refresh ourselves and say, hey, is this a team that I feel good about under the new circumstances? Because I think that's certainly how you have to look at some of these things. And that could be fun because maybe the answer is no. Maybe I don't like this team now, <laughs> like the way it were. Maybe it's yes. It just has to be redone. I mean, it's it's the only way around it. Well, I, mean, I don't you, think you you're going to get lucky. that. Well, maybe, maybe they won't redo it, but whoever wins this year got lucky. It wasn't skill. I'll tell you that right now. Well, do you think the same thing in Major League Baseball? Whoever wins this year is just the, the luck because it. Yeah, it the, the I think largest, it's going to be great. The largest TV. amount of luck in the history of baseball is 2020. There's in no a weird question. way, I'm getting my dream because you know I've I've told you this. I've talked about this on a few podcasts where we've tried to quote fix baseball or whatever. And and my big thing is I want a hundred game regular season and sixty games of of tournament style playoffs. <laughs> where you're going through different things and you have losers brackets and you're playing for draft slot and all these other things potentially. And then you have your world series at the end of it. And then you call it a day. And in a weird way, I'm kind of getting my wish, which is this is 60 games or so of, you know, that weird, Hey, every game counts. Everything matters. Everything's hyper-focused. It's a terrible circumstance in which to play it under, but I think it's going to be great TV. I know we've gone through this and I look at some of these 2018, 2019, most of the teams, 75% of the playoff teams, are the playoff teams over 60 games as they are 162. So, yeah, you have the Nationals sneak in there, but most of the time, the best teams in baseball are the best teams in baseball. And the have-nots that year are the have-nots. And, yeah, you get the occasional good story, but I got to be honest with you, the cold water and all this dream is that you don't always get that story. Most of the time, it's the Yankees. <laughs> it's the Dodgers and it's the Red Sox and it's the teams yeah. that are out there. So this year's the Wild West. It's going to be fun. I am not as optimistic as you are that my apathy will go away. I'm a little we'll, bit more we'll concerned, but see. I'm more into yeah. football at this stage than you are. So it changes things yeah. dramatically for you and me. And uh, we'll, I hope we'll, I get there, we'll, but we'll have to see. Yeah. I, I mean, the, look, it, to predict anything, even as far as interest of where we'll be at on anything is impossible. Uh, but, you know, it, it does it does lend a lot of interesting questions. Like, what if the Tigers start 11 and 2? You know, on the season, it's like, wow, like, oh, my gosh, like maybe the Tigers are going to make it. And maybe they could. It's not April. It's it's July. So a very bizarre uh, season. But I'm, I'm looking forward to something different. But, you know, if it works, maybe we build on it. And if it doesn't, then we go back to the way it was. It's a very easy scenario for baseball to play out. The worst part of the whole thing is no fans. I mean, I, I can't tell you how disappointing that is for me to be able to bring my son and see fans and, and enjoy that aspect of it. I, everyone's going to get to watch it on TV, but that will be the big missing element for it. And we won't feel it at home watching the games, but trust me, it's it's an important thing. And hopefully 2021, they're able to get back at it. We'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports today when we come back. Fantasy Sports birthdays and this day in Fantasy Sports. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's time to dive into this day in fantasy sports history and our birthdays for today, June the 24th, 2020. Going back on this day in history, Joe, this time of the year, as we usually talk about, a lot of different tournaments going on in terms of golf. We have the U.S. Open and tennis have uh, you know, that going on as well. And also some focus on the NBA draft. Of course, the NBA finals would have you know, more or less been over over the last day or two. And sometimes the NBA finals did extend into late June. But we're going to find out about some first pick overalls in today's draft. Yes, and some this day in baseballs, which is nice because I feel like we're kind of in the heat of baseball. You know, school's out, summer's begun, and I think uh, you're going to see a lot more of the baseball things until, of course, we have real baseball. But I don't know. Maybe Craig Mitch will still want to do a couple birthdays here and there. You can never tell. You might have to keep watching. Well, we'll see. You'll have to stay tuned to that. All right, so let's get started. We'll start off in 1947. Really a staggering way to start here. 
Uh, Jackie Robinson stole home for the first time on June 24th, 1947, and he ended up doing it 19 times. Like, how, I mean, it's like, how did that even happen? I mean, I'm thinking back in, in, in history of baseball, and, you know, I mean, I know Jonathan VR stole home a couple of years ago. I think Fernando Tatis may have done it, too. Um, there's a player or two that may do it once every couple of years, but 19 times? I mean, Jackie Robinson didn't even play 19 years in the big leagues. It's crazy. No, oh, it's it's unbelievable, and it's a lost art form, right? You never see anybody steal home. It, it does it even happen once a year now in Major League Baseball. I mean, I think it, I, I think it probably does happen once, once a year, but not the same guy. I no. think you, I think the guy does it once, and then they know from now on that's it. We got to watch this guy, and that's the end. of it. It was a different style of baseball too. There's a great story where the guy says that uh, there's a time where Jackie Robinson walked. Uh, then got to first base. The pitcher balked because he was causing so much havoc over there at first base, going back and forth. He was trying to keep him on. But pitcher ended up balking, so he goes to second. Jackie Robinson goes to second. He steals third base and then steals home. And it was just like, <laughs> I was looking at him. I mean, like, I mean how does the pitcher not have the awareness at that point that that may happen? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's the awareness of also of just Jackie Robinson, the hyper awareness of it and the intensity of those moments. And this is why, you know, I know the metrics don't love stealing bases anymore. But I mean, if you go back and look at the history of baseball, you know, with certain kind of guys, the Ricky Henderson's of the world, the Lou Brock's of the world, uh, Jackie Robinson's certain guys out there who could wreck games by themselves. And I think it's a skill that we should look for again in baseball because I think the teams that can cultivate it properly will be able to create runs in a different way and might have success. When everyone else is looking for station-to-station power, maybe just maybe a little old Whitey Herzog ball might show up again in Major League Baseball. We can keep our fingers crossed, maybe. Yeah, well, the Royals promised that last year. They didn't exactly deliver on that promise, uh, having Billy Hamilton and and having uh, Adalberto Mondesi and having Whit Merrifield. But, you know, I mean, Mondesi did get hurt for a period of time. Hamilton was more or less a non-factor. Merrifield held, held up his end of the bargain. He did. He always does. I love Whit. All right, 1983, Don Sutton, a former great pitcher with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Milwaukee Brewers, Angels, uh, earned his uh, 3,000th strikeout. And actually, a number that of all of those sort of iconic baseball numbers, 3,000 hits and 500 home runs and and uh, and 300 wins as a pitcher, I think strikeouts, I think pitchers will continue to get 3,000 strikeouts. I don't think that this is something that's unattainable anymore. It was really hard for guys like Sutton and uh, you know, and pitchers that pitched like Randy Johnson, who pitched you know 20 years. I mean, it's mm-hmm. easy for him, but... To get 3,000 strikeouts was a big accomplishment because players used to only strike out 100, 150 in a season. But now, essentially, if you can get yourself 12 years as a starter in the big leagues, I mean, you got to strike out 200 a year. I mean, you're on the precipice of it. So I I don't think that this is unreasonable to think that we could see some more Verlanders and CC Sabathias and Max Scherzers and Kershaws and Grankies. I think all those guys end up striking out 3,000. Well, they certainly have the opportunity for it. Yeah, the strikeout's not going away anytime soon. Batter strikeouts have gone through the roof the last few years in Major League Baseball. So this is that one threshold for pitchers that might still hang around for a little bit. And Don Sutton, whenever I think of him, I think of two things. I think of that incredible lock of curly hair. And I think of all the stories about all the different things found in his glove at different times as Craig kind of looks away potentially <laughs> you know it's like you know some guys who maybe bent the rules from time to time but hey it's all about not getting caught I guess at the end of the day but Don Sutton look great long career I guess the bigger question is not so much the strikeout rate of pitchers Craig but the ability of guys to pitch 12 healthy seasons that seems like a much more difficult that's difficult to, climb. to do yeah, yeah, it's like you pitch the first half of your season, then you have Tommy John, and then you pitch the second half. <laughs> it's kind of the way that goes but just about everybody. Uh, okay, uh, 1992. This was a, a pretty big day back on June 24, 1992. The Orlando Magic select Shaquille O'Neal with the first overall pick in the NBA draft. So this was sort of a no-doubter. And then the following year, of course, uh, uh, the Magic and – uh, the Golden State Warriors work it out so uh, that even though Chris Webber was drafted by Orlando, he goes to Golden State, and then the Magic uh, get Penny Hardaway. So it's like kind of building those franchises. We saw it with San Antonio over a few-year period. They take David Robinson, then they stink, then they take Tim Duncan. Um, you know, getting those first pick overalls is just huge. And uh, I thought Shaq, you know, and I thought that Penny would end up being together for 20 years, and 
you know, certainly it wasn't meant to be. Shaq left, basically, after getting to that uh, finals. And uh, and then Penny was a superstar in Orlando for a couple of years before he ended up yeah. having his career, unfortunately, derailed with a lot of injuries. I had that Shaquille O'Neal jersey when I was in high school, man. I love Shaquille O'Neal. It just He was such an impressive player. Nobody that big should be that fast and that athletic, and he was. And he would go up and down that court, and I remember him breaking down backboards bringing down backboards shattering glass doing all these things where you just you tuned in because you wanted to see and i remember going to see a nets magic game i think it was the second year in the league buddy of mine got tickets and i said oh yeah we got to go to this let's go and i remember watching him in person and we had decent enough seats but even from where we were we were not courtside you could just tell like shaquille o'neal was a totally different looking human being than everybody else on that court it just seemed like a bunch of kids playing with him and it was something to behold in person let me tell you that especially when he was young and he was spry yeah yeah and and i've discussed this before on this show is that my uh my dad called me when i was at the university of florida and said you know i know you go to a lot of the football games you may want to go to a basketball game this was before Mm. the gators the gators in 1994 went to uh the final four so this was sort of before that, as Lon Kruger was the head coach, they had come in and, you know, were kind of rebuilding their um, their program. And he's like, listen, you know, there's going to be this guy and he's going to be the first pick in the draft. You know, the first pick in the draft is not going to be for you know a few months, but there's this guy on LSU. His name is Shaquille O'Neal. And you know, great they're saying he's going to be the top pick. You may want to go check it out. I'm like, <laughs> what a right, great name. You know, two bucks, two bucks for a ticket. Yeah. So I went to the Stephen C. O'Connell Center, you know, and. And and honestly, at that time, this wasn't like the University of Florida Gators basketball was like a must-go-to event where got, where people were lined out to get tickets. It was like, yeah, you bought your ticket, you went in. So I got a student ticket, went there, and I just remember when this guy walked out, I was like, whoa, like, this, <laughs> this is. I mean, and think amongst all the all the college kids, too. it was crazy against the NBA. I can't imagine against the college kids what it looked like. <laughs> and by the way, they weren't good. LSU was no. not good. They no, were but he did get them to the. They college. were in the tournament though one year. They were definitely in the NCAA they, they tournament. They should have been a lot better. They, they I mean, should have. Dale been. Brown was their coach, and I know Shaq loves Dale Brown, and and you know credits him with a lot of everything that's happened there. But uh, they really weren't that good of a team, and I think the Gators actually won that game that I went to. Shaq blocked a shot like ten feet up into the uh, into the stands. I'll never forget. That. Yeah. All right. Uh, 2010, the Washington Wizards. Uh, select John Wall first overall, and it looked like when they did that that they had their themselves the next superstar. In fact, they gave John Wall uh, a max contract, and um, ever since they did that, the Wizards have been paying for that ever since. So uh, they've tried. I think they've tried to trade John Wall's contract to like 15 different teams. Um, look, some players work out, some don't. And uh, at the time, it looked like Wall was going to be a superstar. He was an All Star, and just you know, kind of faded at this point. Yeah, as we've gone back through many drafts, you know, it's just it's not an exact science. You know, sometimes it's based on need more than anything else and what a team has and doesn't have. It's not always about the talent, and it should be. It should be about the talent. You get the best two players together. He was, and you he hope was for the, the best, best player in the draft, and he, he was, was the best player coming out, and he was and he was hey, a top we've had a five lot of great... player in his position for three years, four years. It's just yeah. you never know what's going to happen. when you, Not everybody when you lives up to the, from the no? college age to the pro game. You know, that transition, not everybody can make, unfortunately. And then in 2013, really good run for uh, Chicago sports. Uh, the Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup Finals over the Boston Bruins, uh, four to two. And so that's how we'll end our this day in fantasy sports with the Blackhawks winning the cup. This day in fantasy sports birthdays, gotta tell you, not a star-studded list today, but this is what we got. We got you know one of the best soccer players. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> so, uh, but 1984, we got JJ Redick. Uh, really sharp shooting player, both in college and, of course, in the NBA. Uh, 1987, Lionel Messi, arguably from uh, Argentina, one of the greatest soccer players of all time, if not the greatest soccer player of all time. He and Ronaldo Pele, you know, in that conversation. Uh, 1993, Adam Humphreys. Poor Adam Humphreys was having such a nice career in Tampa Bay and then got paid, and now we'll never see him again in uh, Tennessee. Uh, because I don't know about poor there. Adam Humphreys. I don't know about poor. Maybe. Rich Adam Humphreys. <laughs> Rich Adam, look, 80 catches to 37 catches. That's yeah, he did. Well, and even even stranger, he said that he had an opportunity to sign with the Patriots, but he didn't. He's like, you know what? No, I don't think that's going to be a good situation for me. I'm going to go instead uh, with the Titans. But look, that maybe paid, we'll never hear from him again. But he did get probably paid. not. Probably not. Uh, You're right. 1985, uh, Taj Gibson, great big man on the Chicago Bulls, part of that great run of teams that they had on the cusp of winning a championship with he and Derrick Rose. 
uh, but not quite winning a championship. And then shout out to Monet Davis in 2001. Um, what great success that she had in the Little mm-hmm. League World Series and uh, the first female to pitch a shutout in the Little League World Series as well. So uh, Monet Davis uh, ends our birthdays for June 24th. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you caught, but some of the MLB network coverage of the draft a few weeks ago, they had interviewed her because she had faced one, I forget which player it was, he's one of the high school kids who were drafted uh, into the draft this year, and she had faced him at the Little League World Series, and they kind of showed the footage of that, and they interviewed her and asked her, and, you know, she's still out there, and she's still playing sports, and she's playing basketball and baseball still, and softball, and and you know what, and I think that was such an incredibly important moment, you know, where this girl was dominating uh, the boys baseball. And I think it's great. And uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I think forget that there were a lot of girls out there who were the pioneers of playing little league baseball. And, you know, little league baseball is one of those first things to kind of allow that. And of course, you know, they, they have the softball league as well. And little league is part of that. I worked for little league for a few years myself. Um, it's one of the great stories. And, and that's what, I, you know, of all the things I'm going to miss this year in sports, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to miss the Little League World Series. It's something that I always watch. It's something that's near and dear to my heart from all those summers spent in Williamsport playing baseball myself and coaching up there for years. And it's one of those like just pure awesome things. And it's one of those great moments in sports. And it kind of captivates us for a few weeks in August for this kind of dead time before NFL starts and we're in the dog days of baseball. But I'm going to miss Little League World Series. We're going to miss some of those fun characters and some of those fun people. So it's kind of a bummer for those kids. I feel bad for them that they're not going to have their run this year. So shout out to all the Little League kids out there. I hope you go play some Sandlot baseball this summer. Hopefully in the fall. That's uh, kind of (laughs) what we're hoping for here in South Florida. All right, coming up next, we don't have to hope. Golf is back, and what an exciting tournament it was this past week. Rick Gaiman is going to join us coming up to preview the Travelers this weekend, and it should be a fun tournament. We'll have that next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. is sports grid get on the grid you see him all over sports grid and over on his website rickrungood.com i mean honestly i mean you're talking about optimizing dfs look no further than rick gaiman who joins us now to talk a little bit about the upcoming tournament this week and also give us a little bit of a recap as to what has happened on the pga tour thus far rick it's great to see you great to talk to you thanks for coming on fantasy sports today how are you yeah, thanks for having me. Golf has a, a, quite a microscope on it right now. A lot of people are interested, and I'm just glad to be part of it. I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, and again, the website is rickrungood.com. Does a podcast, has an optimizer. His website's great. All his YouTube videos kind of shows you how the tools work and everything like that. But he's going to bring our viewers in and our listeners in today a little bit uh, behind the curtain and discuss what could potentially happen this coming weekend in the Travelers, which begins on Thursday. Rick, before we do that, let's circle back and talk about the heritage over the weekend, which was really exciting. You said the microscope is on golf, and and they're really coming through. I mean, you had a fantastic finish at the end. I think you said it best on your your video pod, essentially. Uh, me and everybody else were, were pulling for Webb Simpson there at the end. I mean, the putts were frustrating. I know that for a lot of people. Uh, but in the end, as you said, a lot of people uh, that followed you and, and certainly were fans of Webb Simpson ended up cashing something, I believe, over the weekend. Yeah, that was a big community win. A lot of us on Webb Simpson and and the excitement level. You, you mentioned it. It was it was top notch for the last two and a half, maybe three hours of that event. Basically everything after the weather delay. Uh, it was worth the wait because these guys went out there, started rolling putts in. If you were a Webb Simpson supporter, a backer. You're a little bit nervous there. You're watching everybody pass him on the leaderboard. Abraham Answer hit every single green in regulation. Joaquin Neiman comes flying up uh, on Sunday. And finally, things click for Webb Simpson. He starts making some putts on the back nine and ends up raising the trophy and cashing all of our tickets. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I think between golf and NASCAR this weekend, we started to get a little bit more of that normalcy because it's one thing to have sports back. It's another thing to wait until the very end of a race or a tournament to get that sort of fun. And I think that we got that. 
and uh, and I know for you it doesn't stop. And so you you ba- you're you're like me with with the other sports with with golf. This is it. You go from one right to the next, and then of course on Thursday, I think that this may be even more of a, a more anticipated tournament. Uh, than the one over the weekend. And certainly I want to get into that. But one of the focuses that I know that you were discussing on social media, people could follow you on Twitter, at Rick Run Good on Twitter. Uh, Phil Mickelson going to make an appearance this weekend. And uh, certainly a lot of people still pulling for lefty, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, certainly. He's always going to be a fan favorite. He has a obviously first ballot Hall of Fame career. He's one of the, you know, X top players, whatever number you want to decide that Phil Mickelson is in. He's probably in it. But this is going to be his first start over the age of 50. And history has not necessarily been great to golfers over 50 on the PGA Tour. There's only been seven winners over the age of 50. So uh, if Phil can capture a championship at some point uh you know moving forward he would add his name to a very short list of golfers by the way for those of you who are watching we're going to go through all of the odds of the FanDuel Sportsbook and then from a DFS perspective we'll take an early look at that and again remember Thursday 6 p.m eastern uh is, is probably when we'll have a lot of clarity on this it's it, uh, the tournament starts on Thursday uh so uh Travelers Championship Rick let's start off with that uh let's start off with the course a little bit And for people who aren't familiar that may be watching outside of the British Open and the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship and all of the great and the Masters, all those great tournaments that are out there, uh, maybe people are diving into golf now. So give us a little bit of a preview as to what we could possibly expect from the course. Sure. So it's TPC River Highlands. It's in Cromwell, Connecticut, and it is raved about. This is always one of the um, more popular tour stops for the players. And quite frankly, it usually comes the week after the U.S. Open, and they still get a pretty good field there, which is a testament to how well run and how great this course actually is. And it's going to be similar but different to what we've seen over the past two weeks. Both Colonial, which was the first stop back after the shutdown and Harbor Town last week, they're short courses and they don't really reward guys that can hit the ball very far. TPC River Highlands, another short course. It's a hair over 6,800 yards, but this course will reward guys that can hit the ball a long distance. It's just not a requirement for winning. And then we've seen some low scores here. This is where Jim Furyk shot his historic 58, the lowest score ever recorded on the PGA Tour. And there's really no defense out there if the wind hangs down. So uh, a great field headed to Cromwell, a course that can yield some low scores. Expect to see a lot of birdies. All right, so we'll uh, we'll check that out this weekend certainly. And um, you know, before we go, I want to ask you also about uh, how COVID could potentially affect any of this. I think it's a question we ask every week. It affected Nick Watney certainly last week. Uh, let's take a look at the odds here, um, and here they are to win the Travelers Championship. This is courtesy of our partners over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. We have Rory McIlroy at twelve to one, Bryson DeChambeau at thirteen to one, Justin Thomas, who I know that you're high on uh, this week, thirteen to one. John Ram 18 to 1, Brooks Kepka 20 to 1, and Webb Simpson checks in after winning last week at 22 to 1. Now, certainly over the FanDuel Sportsbook, as you know, Rick, there are a lot more choices, and feel free if you want to throw a dart and give us a long shot. But essentially, uh, with the with the names that I just mentioned, if you have to throw a 10, a 20, or a 100 at someone this weekend, who would it be? Yeah, so I'm certainly laser focused on the two guys at 13 to one. That is Justin Thomas and it's Bryson DeChambeau. Both feel like they are just knocking at the door. Uh, Justin Thomas has been telling us almost after every single round that he's played since since the restart that he's left a lot of strokes out there. He finally goes down, shoots a 63 on Sunday at Harbortown, which included two bogeys on the card. That's good playing uh, to shoot a 63 with two bogeys. And Bryson DeChambeau, we know about the transformation. We know he is uh, working very hard to be the best driver of the golf ball in the game, and it's paying off in a big way. So those are two that I'm focused on, but I would recommend uh, you can get him a little bit longer. He's usually around 35 to 1 is Sungjae Im, and this is very reminiscent of what we just saw last week with Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson missed the cut at Colonial. His odds dropped from 22 to 30 for the RBC Heritage. He goes out and wins the golf tournament. Sung J.M. misses the cut last week at Harbortown. His odds drop now 35 to 1. Already a winner on tour this year and offers a lot of really good value. All right, there you go. So a couple of uh, good options there. Now over on the DFS side, let's take a look at some of the higher priced players. And, and maybe there's, uh, you know, again, a way of building this. And you can get into more of the explanation there because this is 
uh, your expertise, not mine on this end. Um, okay, so Justin Thomas, uh, basically, we uh, Justin Thomas, who's 13 to one to win the tournament, is not the favorite. Is the highest uh, priced player on Fanduel this weekend at 12,000. We have McElroy at 11,900. Uh, DeChambeau, 11,700. Webb Simpson, 11,600. John Ram, 11,500. And Brooks Kepka, as you can see, sitting there at 11,400. So I know that this isn't like a 10 second answer, Rick, because this is about building a successful lineup for the entire tournament. So uh, that's providing some of the higher priced guys when you're building a lineup this weekend. And I know we still have a day or two here to get it going. How are you going to plan on building it this week? Yeah, it's interesting. When you do compare the odds to the salaries, there is some built-in value there. Guys like Bryson DeChambeau, who I obviously like, uh, you know, less expensive than Justin Thomas, despite having the same odds to win. That is something that you should certainly be aware of. But I think it's more about, um, in a deep field like this, can you build a more balanced lineup? Can you start a little bit lower? For, you know, Forget about maybe the top two, three, or four guys and get a much more balanced lineup with your six. Because if you want to play Justin Thomas, if you want to play Rory McIlroy, some of the top guys, you're going to have to, have to make some concessions at the bottom of the player pool. So I, I think a, a more sound strategy, especially for newcomers to the game, potentially this week or the past couple of weeks, try to build a more balanced lineup with a, you know, maybe six guys that have a decent chance of winning instead of one guy that has a better chance of winning. And, and, and of course, the, the one, you know, kind of question, I think, for everyone, and I brought up Nick Watney's name, and certainly this exists for everybody now on the PGA Tour. Does that factor in at all of building lineups or or? You know, we're placing bets for this, Rick. I mean, is is the idea to just simply wait right up until they tee off on Thursday, or is it the flip where you'd get better odds if you did it now and something was to happen? And obviously, we're not wishing that on anyone, but there is money involved here. Sure, it's it's certainly one of those situations you probably want to wait as long as possible, or at least you know I'm on the West Coast. These or these tournaments start early for me on the East yeah. Coast. I I usually set an alarm and make sure no one has withdrawn on Thursday morning, you know, an hour before before tea times, just so that we are. Uh, completely aware that all of our guys are live. So that's something that I recommend weekly, especially in this climate that we're in where, yeah, one one positive test, that guy's obviously going to withdraw. He's not going to play. And then it might, you know, we, we I think we got very lucky with Nick Watney last week where this didn't really, you know, get spread yeah. to anyone else and all the other um, contact tracing tests were, were came back negative, but it could impact playing partners as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, wrap with this. RickRunGood.com. Uh, tell us about the optimizer. What can people expect this week when they head on over? Yeah, one of the one of the biggest golf databases on the internet, built around uh, tools and visualizations to make the research process easier for both fantasy and golf betting. So we've got the lineup optimizer. You can create your own custom uh, rankings and models, and just usually helps to cut down your amount of time that you spend researching every week. Yeah, and that's the important thing. You know, this I mean, I mean, you would think, Rick, it's interesting that given this time of a lot of people being home, that they would have a lot of time on their hands. But it's like I'm hearing the opposite. I mean, I don't know how it's going in your life here, but it's like people are saying they have less time now that they're home. And so this would certainly give people an edge. It's the downtime, right? I mean, we, we I listen to less podcasts because I'm you know, I'm not I'm not commuting as much or I'm home with the family and talking to the wife and we're having discussions as opposed to me just being by myself. So I get it. I can see it both ways. Uh, so if you have less time, you know, getting getting an opportunity to make better decisions more quickly, being more educated, being more comfortable, quite frankly. If you're going to put a couple of bucks down, you want to be comfortable with the guy that you have chosen or the lineup that you've created, and, and that's really what I'm trying to accomplish. Well, thanks to Webb Simpson. We all accomplished <laughs> that last week. It wasn't easy, but he got it done. Uh, Rick Gaiman, you can follow him over uh, at, at Rick Run Good on Twitter. And certainly check out his podcast and his audio and his video. It is uh, phenomenal. It'll really help you win uh, on the golf circuit, which we all need help with. By the way, Rick, when's the next one? Next tournament? Where where do we go from after here? Yeah, so we're going to Detroit. It's the Rocket Mortgage Classic. We've okay. seen we've seen these you know star packed fields the first three weeks. We we are going to enter a time where the fields are not this good. Sure. Uh, we we might start seeing that uh, next week, but then they'll pick up again for a lot of great events uh, coming down the stretch here. All right, yeah, Rick said Detroit. You had to know. <laughs> no offense to anybody watching in Detroit, but that's the way it was going to be. All right, more fantasy sports today coming up in just a couple of minutes. Joe Pisa, PNI, dive back into the heavy baseball discussion as well as some fantasy football. So stay tuned. More fantasy sports today. 
Coming up next, make sure you watch all of our shows, audio, radio, everything that we have going on here on SportsGrid and our brand new sponsorship and brand new partnership with FanDuel. Uh, so happy that FanDuel is now on board with us full time. And yes, it is the partnership we've been looking for. Congratulations to everybody involved. We're back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Of course, as we talked about at the top of the show, in case you missed it, congratulations to us, SportsGrid and <laughs> FanDuel, for the partnership that we have. FanDuel is now the exclusive content as it, as it pertains to sports wagering here on the show. And it makes sense because, Joe, that's what we use. That's what we've been using here on the show is FanDuel. And uh, they've been really great, John Sheeran and everyone else, appearing on our programs, giving us content to talk about. And now we have a full partnership not just at the FanDuel studios in New Jersey, but also here on all of our shows uh, and online at sportsgrid.com. So great to have FanDuel aboard. Absolutely. It's a fantastic partner here at SportsGrid. And on top of it, not only did they have given us so much content at a time where we really needed it, but uh, some great new content and some great new sets of wagering uh, and on the DFS side of things as well. I always felt it to be the easiest and most user-friendly of all the interfaces there. So uh, I'm excited here that we're partnering with them over at SportsGrid. And I think it's only the beginning because once we get games and once we get flow of things happening again, uh, I think it's going to be a beautiful marriage of ideas. July is going to be a great month for us. It'll be a great month for FanDuel as well, I'm sure. All right. Uh, we've been diving into teams to make the playoffs as per the FanDuel Sportsbook's odds. And we're trying to look into basically odds that make sense to be able to wager on. And uh, we're going to go over two teams today. We're going to go over the Lions odds to make the playoffs in 2020 in the NFL. And we're going to go over the Green Bay Packers. Now, of course, the Packers, when we get to them, it's pretty much straightforward. You're basically risking 130 to win 100 or 100 to win 110. But uh, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box on this one today after scrolling through some of the teams. We're sort of going through divisional and alphabetical order. This is not one that I would recommend betting on the no, but in fact, I am going to take a stab at the yes. So let's take a look at the Detroit Lions here in 2020. And you look at it and you say, okay, uh, is it a good bet, Craig and Joe, to lay $310 to make $100? Um, in no world is that ever a good bet. <laughs> and, it, and in this bet, it doesn't matter how, if you, it, it doesn't matter if you think the Lions are going one in 15 and Stafford's going to miss 14 games because, of course, they're not going to make it if that happens. On a season long, I mean, it's one thing to bet on one game, but a season long bet where you have to pace yourself and wait 16 weeks to cash in on a hundred bucks on a $300 bet. I'm sorry. No. Um, I uh, look at the yes at plus 240. This is one of the very few longer shot odds that I would consider investing in. The Lions last year led in their first 11 games of the season, and they only won three. That is really hard I to know. do. Now now you say to yourself, okay, well, look, they'll play the, we got to play both sides of this. you got to play the opposite side on a bet and say, well, okay, so big deal. So they only won three of those 11. Okay, Craig, so, so give them two more wins. Do they make the playoffs at that point? Of course, they don't make it either at that point either. Uh, but sports is lucky. It is like extra innings baseball. The NFL is the same way. And if you look at the NFL and if you have a lead going into the fourth quarter, more often than not, then you're going to win. The Lions were the unluckiest team in the NFL last season, mm -hmm. both with this and also their turnover ratio, which is also very random. A team that usually leads the league in turnovers one year could could be the opposite the other year. And so I don't even care who they have on their team. Like, I, it, re it really doesn't matter to me. I just look and I say, wow, this team was royally bleeped last year. And I think that there is a shot for this team to win nine games. I don't think they're going to be an 11-win team, but if they get to nine, mm -hmm. that puts them in the picture. And if I can play this the right way and I take 100, I would take 1,000, but let's say I take 100 to win $240 and I get myself to that last game of the season. That's all they got to do. They got to just get me to the last game of the season with the opportunity to win or get in and I can hedge myself 
and I can win a lot of money right there. But I, I mean, I have to have a strong belief that the Lions are going to make the playoffs, and I do. And again, you don't want to make a bet just to hedge at the end. But I guess my point is if, that if they're 8-7 and seven, going into Week 17, and I got them at plus 240, all I have to do is really, because if they're 8-7, and seven, they're going to be a good team at that point. Mm-hmm. They'll be considered okay. They could even be a favorite. I'm going to take the underdog. I'm going to take the other side, hedge my bet in half, and if I'm betting a thousand, I'm, I'm definitely plus one thousand on this bet at the end of the season. So you have to like Detroit. You have to have conviction about Detroit to think that they're going to make it. I do, but even if they don't, I got that in my back pocket. So I'm going yes, plus two forty on the Lions this year. I am so happy. I, this is you know, I took a lot of abuse from you in September and October last year in the radio show when I kept saying I feel like Detroit is really in these games and Detroit's really fighting when you watch this team. They don't have a lot of quit in them. They're just falling short. And then they got screwed in a couple weird calls, including that one KC game with that weird turnover at the goal line. Then they're getting run back. So it could have been things differently for them. Of course, the Stafford injury sunk them at the end of days. So there's nothing you could do uh, after that happened. They were never coming back from that. But I, I feel like a broken record, and, and and you kept punching me down and punching me down well, last fall no, about no, the that's, Lions. That's not that's it's not very totally true. true. It's, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's I punched you true. down. I punched you down because I told you there's no value in them last year at all, and I think that they they could continue to lose. But talk to me next year, and I'm gonna go over on their win total. Okay. Well, I'm glad. Over. I'm yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that we're here together now. We're holding hands and we're walking up the hill together. Uh, I don't know what hills in Detroit. It is a, it's it is, I'm telling hill. you now, you very rarely hear me say this. It is a very solid bet to take the line. You may think I'm nuts. No, I don't think you're I, nuts I, I because I'm the guy this. last year who kept saying this Detroit team is a fighting team. Like they are even, you know, even when everybody was going to write them off on Thanksgiving, remember they kind of hang out and gave them like gangbusters in the first half of this game. They, have they don't hope. have to be great. They don't. But they, what, they, what they have going for them is a lot of uncertainty in this division because I know the Packers defense played much better than people anticipated them playing last year. And guess what? They're going to have to play even better this year, I think, for them to continue to be relevant. Uh, the Bears, I'm sorry. I just can't get there. I think the Bears are a mess. I think Nagy's going to be out. I think this is it for them. And then you have the Kirk Cousins-led Minnesota Vikings, which are nothing but inconsistent. We've seen that offense show up and have great stretches, and we've seen them show up at not at all. Uh, we've seen them just completely disappear. And I think that's something when you keep in mind is nine wins attainable in this division. I absolutely think it is. And I think that you take that into account. And I think the other thing you think about is that Detroit is a team historically that most people are automatically sour on. So I don't think you're going to have as much heat on a bet for them to make the playoffs. So I think you're in a unique situation there where you're you're on an island, but I'm kind of with you on this island that I think Detroit is going to be a very tough out for a lot of teams. And everything went wrong for them last year. And you could see after that Kansas City game specifically, because they were a team that was still fighting, still there, that game kind of broke them. And I understand why. Because there was a massive swing in that game. And they were in that game and they should have beat Mahomes. They should have beat the Chiefs. And it would have been quite a story. And it wasn't. And they it was at home and it, and it just stung. And you could see kind of the air go out of the balloon. And it's very tough to pump that back up. So I think this year it's going to make them tougher. I think drafting DeAndre Swift in there is going to give them a lot more insurance at the running position. They did not have that at running back last year when carry-on went down. It was a shuffle of J.D. McKissick and this guy and that guy and signing guys off the free agent wire. I don't think they're going to have that issue this year. And if they can solidify that run game a little bit and Stafford can get through 16 games, I agree. I think nine wins is very achievable. Well, they they uh, they kind of need to get to seven and seven to make this bet all make sense. And that's sort of what when I looked at this as soon as the, the uh, schedule came out, cause I knew that the lions were a team that I thought that would be undervalued. And again, I don't think they're winning 11 games. I just think it's a good bet. Um, and they close out the season. Um, unlike any other team in the NFL, three of their last four games are at home mm. and they play their two final games at home. So if they are, I mean, and again, when you look at it before you make a bet, okay, so they're eight and seven. Do they play Kansas City or Baltimore? I mean, certainly that changes things. And look, Minnesota is a good team. Um, and Tampa Bay, hypothetically, is a good team too. But those are the last two games of the season for them. And it may come down to an all-in game uh, against the Vikings when they're at home. And if they're eight and seven, and you bet $1,000 to win three grand, when you get to that game at the end of the year, in all likelihood, what's Detroit going to be favored by? Best case scenario, three at most, right? 
Yeah. You take the bike, you take the bet a bet thousand dollars on the Vikings, you win money. I mean, bet bet the other side, bet fifteen hundred, bet two thousand. If you really at, at that point, maybe you feel the Vikings are better. And by the way, you take the Vikings on the money line, you're getting plus one thirty. So you got hedges on both sides to make money. Now look, a lot has to happen. Stafford has to be healthy. All of this has to make sense for you because you may be listening and saying, wow, eight minutes on the Lions making the playoffs, you guys are crazy. And you'd be right by saying that. I don't I, I completely would understand. But this is one that I do like. I do, I, they, I do like, like a lot of people of, think the Titans were going to make it again. Like, you know, every year there's a nine 17 that pops up and makes the playoffs. And I don't see why it can't be the lions this year. I maybe, just, I, maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, plus two forty. I mean, that's, that's, that's a solid bet there. And then, you know, again, just get me to the hedge. Uh, now let's go to the Packers. Packers pretty straightforward. Yes. To make the playoffs minus one thirty. It's a fair line. No is plus 108, so you're betting 100 bucks to win $108. You're risking 130 to win 100 on the yes. And look, I mean, you're look. This is what you're going up against. Certainly, the Packers make the playoffs every year. I mean, they've made it nine in the last 11 years, and the two that they didn't, one Rodgers missed the whole year. So, mm-hmm. essentially, the Packers would have to take a massive step down. I know, statistically speaking, they were the worst statistical playoff team in like. NFL history. And so they're not going 12 and 4 or 11 and 5, probably not again this year. But man, they'll be sitting right there at the end, probably like Detroit, maybe a little bit better, 8 and 7, uh, 9 and 6, maybe 10 wins, certainly. So this is just a pass for me because I think that the lines are probably fair. If anything, I would probably bet yes. Uh, I think you probably lean yes. But uh, look, I. you mentioned that's that there. They're pretty much in the playoffs every single every season. I mean, they really are. Uh, the plan for them this year is to run Aaron Jones into the ground and then he will go and be a free agent. That's probably their plan. Uh, I don't like the fact that they didn't add another wide receiver and a very heavy wide receiver draft with a lot of talent, which is a need that they had for quite some time here. Uh, I don't think Devin Funchess is going to magically be that guy. We've seen MVS. We've seen Allison. We've seen Lazard. We've seen enough, I feel like, of these other guys. My concern is they become very predictable. It's Devontae Adams. And it's Aaron Jones. If you can lock down one of them, all of a sudden, it's really easy to guard against this team. And Aaron Rodgers, another guy, too. You look at the stat lines, gone are the big 300-yard games of Aaron Rodgers. He just is not that quarterback at this stage in his career, nor are the weapons lending themselves to being that kind of explosive offense. And that's why I said when we were talking about Detroit, so much of this comes down to the defensive side of the football for Green Bay. They have to play as good as last year. And they have to play as good in those big spots because they were in a fair amount of games. You remember, Craig, in the second half of the season where that defense showed up in second halves of games and kind of brought them back in and they won by the skin of their teeth. They're going to have to do that again if they're going to be a playoff team. I would stay away from this personally because I just got a feeling like things could go south finally one year in Green Bay and this could be the year to do it. But I still feel really good about the Lions, man. I just think they are a team that nobody is anticipating and they could show up and be above 500. Packers are still very good, and it, and it's really hard to build a case against them. A lot would have to go negative, and even even if the wheels fell off the Packers, they're still seven and nine or six and ten, which puts them two wins away essentially from getting in again. It's a pass for me on the Packers. All right, that'll do it for our first hour of the show. We got plenty more to come here. The second hour, speaking of football, some late round values. We're back here on Sports Grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 